This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Wendy's 2 for $6 lets you mix and match some of our best items, like... Dave Single with a 10-piece crispy nugs. Medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich. Spicy chicken with a Dave Single. Dave Single with a strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. Strawberry lemonade. If you're into that. Chicken Sam. Crispy nugs. Crispy nugs. Strawberry lemonade. Dave's. Dave's. Nugs. Nugs. Sam. Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. In U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. Now back to riffing with Raph and AD on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We are back again. Riffing with Raph and AD on this Wednesday night. AD is dancing. I feel like it's not at the museum. And we are here now with... Former tight end for the University of Nebraska from 1985 to 1987. Spent a lot of time in the end zone, Mr. Tom Banderas. Tom, how are you tonight, brother? Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. I just wanted to first say that, man, I'm so proud of you guys. You know, the riffing with AF and AD, I absolutely love it. And uh, we'll talk about me being on the third show a little bit later, but I'm very happy to be here tonight. Bando, we appreciate it, man. You know, even hearing your voice, it cracks me because it's almost like I'm having a conversation like with you in person, you know, at one of our good spots down at Capital Cigar with, you know, Tony Goins and Austin Hill and those guys do a great job of create many vacations. And just to wrap, you know, just to talk, we talk business, but also just talk life. And so for you agreeing to do this, man, we really appreciate you doing it, bro. Man, t- Bando, what are you doing now, man? What's, what's Bando's life like right now? Tell us about yourself, your family. Tell us about you, brother. Oh, it's all good. You know, my probably my proudest my moment is, uh, you know, being married to my wife, Amy, for 32 years. And uh, we actually got married April 1st of 1989. And uh, that is a true story, by the way. But every anniversary, <laughs> I always tell her, I assure you that somebody somewhere owes me money because there is no way they thought Banda was going to be married for 32 years. <laughs> but... I've got I got a beautiful daughter Diane Bandera. She's up uh, in Omaha. Uh, she's a graduate of UNO. Uh, she she's really the number two man in charge up there at Explosive Edge, which, in my opinion, is the number one training facility in Omaha for sure. Uh, and then Josh, you know, he's kind of known from from the football world, but uh, he was just out at uh, he, he's starting his coaching career, and he was out here at Oregon State this past fall. So oh, that's awesome. you know, he's got some exciting stuff going. And, uh, you know, so he's just going to grind that out. But he'll, he'll be a great, great coach one day. And then Anthony, uh, he's 21. Uh, he's just kind of wrapping up school. And he, he's going to kind of be the heir apparent to, you know, the insurance business that I've been in for 32 years here locally that's, you know, been as equally fantastic as, 
as a, you know, marriage as far as, you know, I've been with them for 32 years, and quite frankly, it's really the only job I've really ever had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, everything's been real good for me. I love it here in Lincoln. Um, Amy was a Southeast girl, so I just stayed, and, you know, I call it home now, even though I'm originally from KCMO. Absolutely. You know, Ben, I want to think about um, Amy and you guys together for 32 years. It blows me away in that I still see you as, you know, touchdown Tom Bendo. You know, I still see, you know, Diane as a little girl, you know, with that long brown hair. I still see Josh and Anthony just like little boys, and now they're they're all grown adults. And so kudos to you and Amy. You guys have done a heck of a job with those three kids. Ben, I've seen that firsthand. You know, our kids obviously went to the same – you know, high school, but your kids were older than mine uh, by a few years. But I've seen, I've watched them grow up, like, right in front of me to see the success they're happening right now. Man, big congrats to you and Amy, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Tommy, got a question for you, brother man. All right. All right. So you're down, you said you grew up down in KCMO. I believe Was it Oak Grove, Missouri, to be precise? Is that yeah, Oak Grove, a little bit of east of the stadiums there on I-70. All right. So what or who who brought you to Nebraska? How, how does that story begin? Well, Coach McBride, actually. Coach McBride was my cr- recruiter. He, he was actually recruiting me as a defensive end, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so so he was my main recruiter. And then, you know, Coach, Coach Osborne, you know, come down to put the hammer down. But, you know, my dad and Charlie were really uh, – you know, birds of a feather, I guess you could say. So those two think a lot, you know, thought alike, and they'd probably run around if they if they knew each other uh, when they were younger and things like that. But yeah, they they just hit it off, and you know, I really wasn't a, a big college fan. I, I was a pro football fan, and you know, I really didn't even think about college. You know, it's crazy uh, how these kids are today with the twitters and the likes, and you know, these guys are all blown up before they get here. We we didn't have any of that. You know, we had some local, you know, Midwest magazines and and things like that. So, you know, this recruiting was a little bit different. I mean, it was snail mail, and you got letters in the mail, and, you know, if you could catch somebody on the phone and things like that. So I didn't even really think about any of that. You know, my high school coach kind of kept all the letters my junior year, and then finally going into my senior senior year of high school, he sat my dad and I down and brought out a couple shoeboxes full of letters. You know, and I'm sitting there going, man, these these people want me to come play football. You know, and then all of a sudden the recruiters started coming around, like Charlie and, you know, Jerry Faust from Notre Dame. And, mm. you know, I was sitting there a little stunned because, you know, we didn't have social media. I, I just didn't even think about it. I mean, we were just playing playing football, you know, or track or basketball, whatever the season was when you are in high school. So it got real, real quick. But uh, so I did a little bit of research. And, of course, you know, my goodness, I mean, the Big Red was – was awesome. You know, I started doing the research of, you know, 80, 81, 82, and, you know, and uh, Coach Osborne came down and sat at the table, and, you know, my dad said, I just think, you know, that kind of seems like a no-brainer to go up there to Nebraska. <laughs> so that's kind of how it just shook down. I mean, you know, they, Missouri thought that they had me all locked up, but that, that wasn't even close. I mean, Oklahoma actually was my second pick. Oh, and wow. then Colorado was actually my third. You know, Bill McCartney was a heck of a recruiter. That was his first year. Tell me some about that with um, with McCartney. You know, I, that was an interesting story you bring that up. Remember when, and you remember this band, though, remember he circled when he first got the job at Colorado. You know, they were kind of, you know, they were a doormat, you know, the big eight. 
You know, no one. I mean, you went to Colorado to ski. You didn't go there to play football. You know, uh, even right. that Bronco team was actually good during those days. You know, that's Rav's squad. You know, the Broncos. So I had to throw that oh, in. Oh yeah, uh-huh. that was that was the only thing going on in Colorado besides the mountains was the Broncos. Because sure as heck wasn't Colorado <laughs> State. It wasn't CU. But you know, McCartney. People can say what they want, but the man did it. He did a phenomenal job at bringing them from a doormat to a powerhouse because he put Nebraska, circled it in red, and to say, you know what? We don't have a rival. We're going to make the neighboring state to the east our rival, and it's going to be Nebraska. People are like, dude, you guys are night and day from them. Bendo, how did he recruit you? What made you even think about Colorado? I mean, the, the guy was just mesmerizing. I mean, he really, really was. I mean, this, like you said, this was a doormat. When I did the research on Colorado, I'm like, you know, this is nuts outside of going there on a little trip. And the view was beautiful. But other than that, that's about it. But this Bill McCartney had some type of a, you know, a magnetism about him. I mean, I really don't know what it was. But, you know, I mean, I had them ahead of some really big schools. And, and people were looking at me like I was nuts. You know, now, I would have been on the tail but basically, we, we it would have not been good with win loss record because they really kind of got good kind of those years after I left those next two to three years primarily. But I'm not so sure. Didn't they upset? I think they upset us in 1986, and at the time we were ranked two or three in the country. Yeah, I remember so, that too. Yeah, they pulled off a big upset, and uh, no, there was just something about that Bill McCartney. I mean, I still think he was a very, very good coach. I mean. Mm-hmm. Boy, he brought them to some prominence, and I have no idea what happened to him after, you know, he, he left Colorado. But, yeah, he, he was something else. He was just very mesmerizing, I would say. He was. He was. Well, let me ask you this. What was it about Coach McBride and Coach Osborne that made you decide over Nebraska? Because, you know, Oklahoma, even during your day, was back-and-forth type games, you know, the Sooner Magic, that stupid song, da na 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 that gave me nightmares as a kid. You could have easily flourished in that. You think about the tight ends they had there, Keith Jackson, uh, the quarterbacks, Jamil Holloway, the fleet-footed receivers, Collins and uh, Spencer Tillman, all those guys. What made you decide over Nebraska over Barry Switzer? Well, even this Charles Thompson, this, this, new, this new recruit we got out of the portal, his dad was their quarterback in 1987, my yes. senior year. Uh but, you know, I don't know that, you know, Coach Osborne, of course, you know, Charlie was just, like I said, just like my dad, uh, you know, kind of that blue-collar feel for me, and I'm used to that. I like that. So I really got along with Charlie. And then, you know, when the stoic Coach Osborne came in, you know, he just commanded respect. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it just like I said, when I did my research, uh, I, I just, you know, thought that there was just a no-brainer for me to come up here uh, proximity as well. You know, my dad was within three hours and was going to be able to, you know, watch most of the games, just drive up and things like that. So, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, just like I said, reading on them and one of the best teams in the country and the crowds, you know, every every week, the sellout streak. I mean, all that stuff just started to resonate. And, uh, you know, it was something else. Uh, you know, my recruiting visit, I always like to tell this story. But uh, I came up here for that 1982 Nebraska-Oklahoma right down here. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, I had every all the local colleges, like like everybody, you know, Central Missouri State, they wanted me to come play football and throw, you know, shot and disc for them. And uh, so, you know, that was just, you know, one of the letters the coach had called me all the time. But I came up here for that recruiting visit, and, you know, they had this big guy named Marcus Dupree, and, 
They had these the field, Aaron. You'll remember still had a little bit of the dome on it. Yes. Know? Now it's flat, but we're down there in the the northeast corner, and Oklahoma's going. You know, I, I would say going north on us about the twenty five, and they run this big power pitch play over to our sideline. Couple guards, Marcus Dupree. Here comes the black shirt. We all get blown back up to the fence, and this Marcus <laughs> Dupree gets up. And I'm sitting there looking at the other recruits going, oh, my goodness, that's a running back? And uh, so, you know, we all calmed down. I think we lost that game. I got on my, held on my dad later that night. And he goes, what do you think, son? You don't think it's going to be a good deal? I said, Dad, I don't know. I think I might have to go to Central Missouri State because this, this running back is better than me. And uh, so, yeah, we got a chuckle out of it, and then, you know, we got over that and quite came up and, you know, ended up having what I thought was a nice career, and we, we had some real nice teams in that in, in those years. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Bandle, um, I was doing some studying earlier today, and I, I saw that you were an All-State kicker. Is that true? It is, it is. I actually was an All-State tight end, defensive end, and a kicker, believe it or not. In three positions? Yeah. Uh, yeah, three positions, and I, and I actually have the square toe chew, the Lou Groza. <laughs> so it was quite the sight. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, – but, yeah, I kicked. I did not punt, but I was a kicker. I was, a matter of fact, an all-state kicker. Wow. To our listeners under 30, his kicking shoe, that he's called the Lou Groza, that's not a foot disease or anything. That was an actual person, so I just want to put that out there, Bando. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Lou Groza wore the square-toed shoe on the front. You know, now, right. now they do the soccer style. This was a straight-ahead, you know, square-toed shoe, and uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. I had some, I had some big kicks against some teams. You know, one to win a quarterly, you know, quarter game, quarterfinal game, and uh, I don't know if you remember a guy named Thurman Hoskins. Uh, he was he was a scholarship running back out of Lathrop, Missouri. Uh, Thurman was a stud. He just kind of got himself into a little bit of trouble. I with remember school. that name. Absolutely. Fact, he only stayed a couple of years, but uh, yep. yeah, we beat them in a quarterfinal game, and Absolutely. that was pretty fun. But it, but it was from a kick. You know, Bendo, I, I think about your career, and you had, from I understand, what sixteen catches for ten touchdowns. I mean, almost yeah. every mm-hmm. time you caught the ball, it was the kid, Steve Taylor, was hitting you down the line. Who uh, who else was quarterback with you today? Was Steve Taylor Blakeman? And, yeah. and Cleet Blakeman, between, who's reffing right yeah, now. Between Steve and uh and, and Blakeman, yeah, they threw me those ten ten touchdowns. And uh it was funny, I always used to tell them, I said, no, I prefer to be in the end zone when you throw it to me. <laughs> I don't want to be getting in a foot race out there with these guys, these running backs and all that. So what's but, the uh, no, yeah, it worked out pretty good. You knew we blocked. I mean, you know, yes. hell, a good stat line for kid would be, you know, eight eight out of eleven for you know, 101 yards, but, yeah. you know, we'd rush for 352. Right. You know, things like that. And so, yeah, for me to be able to catch that many balls, you know, I could have went to Missouri and probably had 50 balls a game. I mean, Warren Powers said, hey, we're going to get you the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd have been about probably 235, 240 here. I was 250, 255 because, you know, I was just a really a glorified guard out there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a treat to catch the ball once in a while. So what was what do you remember the play call like the one you knew when they made the play call green light touchdown Tommy in the house was there any sort well, of any, any bootleg pass any bootleg I mean I think game. if I if I could do a do, do a compilation of the touchdown passes that when we used to run the 41 49 mm. bootleg pass I mean you know the tight ends are just walking right open 
I mean, Milliken and Todd Frayne and Junior Miller, Mitch Crank, Big Jamie Williams. I mean, the high percentage of completion and a high percentage of touchdowns. I mean, it was amazing. I always told kid that if he threw the ball more, he'd have so many more passing records, but he liked to scramble. You know, he always, <laughs> at one time, he was the leading rusher. And I go, yeah, that's because we were blocking for you. <laughs> but, <laughs> so no, oh yeah, the kid was, he was young. That's what we call, I always call him kid because he was young the first time he got in that huddle, you know, and, uh, but no, he had a great, obviously a great career and, and uh, we had a lot of good times. And, you know, to the folks that are listening out there, uh, that's former All-American Steve Taylor, who's referred to as the kid that was younger than uh, Tom Banderas and Cleet Blakeman, of course. But the kid, yeah, he used to love to scramble, man. He used to love to scramble. And a lot of times you were open on those plays because, like, Cluster, you know, our first guest was talking about we would beat teams up so much with isos and play actions and option. And those linebackers, as you know, that you were tangled with all the time, they'd keep sneaking up further and further and closer and closer to the line of scrimmage. And it was one play action. They're biting. Next thing you know, Bando's running wide open 35 yards, 25 yards down the field uh, to pay dirt. So the play action was beautiful, which kind of leads me to my next question here. Bando, we've just got two quarterbacks, very high-profile prof- high quarterbacks, out of the portal, Thompson's son, and Chubba Purdy. That's a, that's a, you know that's a name from the South. Chubba Purdy. He's Chubba oh, Purdy. Yeah, I love. Him. You had two great quarterbacks, and I think I'm gonna say this. I think Nebraska fans, after a person's gone, they appreciate him when they're gone. Uh, and I might get in, the, you know, to the the pros or cons, but I'm just simply saying from our show, we just like to just kind of just keep it up, somewhat objective, but also bring in some, you know, just some opinions. I thought Martinez, Adrian was just, I mean, the guy had heart. There's no one that could deny the heart that that guy brought out every single time he played. You know, broken jaws, no one knew about that. You know, shoulders, knees, et cetera. But you know what? God bless him. He's on us to his next venture there at K-State right now. These two new guys, What? how important is it to have a quarterback, whoever that starter is this year, to come in and to command um, the respect and also the playbook, you know, obviously we don't know what that's going to look like right now with Whipple coming in, new offensive coordinator, Mickey Joseph obviously coming back home, if you would, as the receivers coach. How important is that quarterback position going to be? Oh, you know, I, I don't care if we're talking, we're talking about this the other day, I don't care if you're talking midget football, who I used to coach out here uh, on uh, South Street over here, you know, the, the quarterback's the most important position on every team, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care if we're talking midget football, junior high football, JV, varsity, college, pro. You know, you knock out Brady or you knock out Mahomes, it, it's a different game. You know, so so the quarterback has to be the main man on the team. You Absolutely. know, he has to believe he's the main man on the team. And I actually like him. I like bringing these two dudes in out of, out of the portal, and I'll tell you why. You know, back in our day, we were we were good because we had so much internal competition that you had to excel. If you don't have your one and your two and your three, your ABC player, if they're not all good, you're, you're, you're going to start lacking somewhere in the game. You know, you have to have intense competition every time. Every year they were bringing in this new tight end who was going to be the next junior Miller. Then the next year, here's the next junior Miller. Then the next junior Miller. You know, you have to compete. I mean, if you don't have anybody over your shoulder, it just don't matter. Now, look, Adrian did a great job. You know, it's hard to take. The guy The guy left it on the field. But he really didn't have any competition. Mm-hmm. 
So he knew that he was going to trot out there every week, no matter what. And that, that, that's going to change, I think, for this, certainly this year. And I want to see how that competition pans out. I mean, it can't uh, bring anything out but good, in my opinion. You have to be deep, and you have to be able to compete with the risk. If I don't play well for a couple games, I'm going to be on the bench. That's right. That's what keeps people sharp. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that's what we get uh, – that's what we get down here this fall, and hopefully we can put something together because, look, I think we have talent. You know, we have as much talent as seven or eight teams on our on our schedule. We just have to put this stuff together, you know, and get it done, and that's what I always loved about Coach Osborne and our, our teams, you know, uh, uh, under him because he was able to get everybody in the locker room together. Hey, do we have a couple of turmoil, you know, tumultuous situations? Yes, but, you know, Aaron, I always tell people that, Really, what you see on the field on Saturday is only about 70% of really what's going on because you, know, you can think about it. you got a locker room of 150, 160 kids from all, all over the United States, all different backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? All different religions, all different income levels, education level. I mean, it's all over the board. So those championship teams – that coaching staff and everybody, they can get those guys to work together, play together, live together, respect each other. That's your championship teams. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have them fitting together in that locker room together, you'll lose to the worst team in the NCAA. That's right. So 30% is what's going on off the field. 70% is what you see on Saturday. But if that 30% off the field isn't producing or not getting along or that locker room's a little fragmented, it's going to show on Saturdays. Absolutely. So that's what we got to get back, you know. I love it. That's a lot of wisdom that you're sharing there, man. And before Raph goes to the next one, you, you said some things. You said a lot of things, big bro. But when you mention internal competition, internal competition, where you got to have someone over your shoulder, and you said be deep and compete – yeah, like you mentioned, if a guy doesn't, you know, and Cluster mentioned this, Cluster Johnson was sharing this on the first segment as well, just like knowing that you knew that you had to come compete every day. Every day you had to come to practice compete. And not only that, if you don't want to compete, don't come to Nebraska. I mean, it, it can't be this thing where there's a signed, sealed, delivered sweetheart deal. And I know Coach Osborne never promised any kid anything other than an opportunity to compete. That's it. There's no doubt about it. And you know, we we had talked a little bit before about even the respect, even amongst your unit, which I'll call mine the tight end. Oh, yeah. You know, when I first got in there, I mean, you know, I had gotten to know a little bit of a Mitch Crank and a Jamie. They were older, but they didn't matter. If I, if I was the tight end, they gave me respect down. That's even right. though these dudes, I'm looking at these guys like, man, I'm never going to be able to, to do what they did, you know, when I'm a punk freshman coming up here. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Todd Frayne and Brian Hemer, they kind of yeah. looked out for me. Then I become flipped it over, you know, for like Milliken came in. I was like his big bro. And then, mm. and then Monty Kratzenstein. But, you know, I got to give those guys props down there because they're going to be the next tight end. I didn't treat them. I showed them everything I knew. I wasn't worried about them taking my job. I mean, if they were better than me, they were just going to get it anyway. Right. But when we stay after practice, I'd work with Kratzenstein and Milliken on blocking and things like that. I mean, I didn't. Look, we, we were all just one big team trying to win a national championship. I wasn't necessarily worried about my job. You know, I'm just going to try to help my tight ends become a better unit. And, of course, we had Coach Huey who, who echoed 
all that yeah, stuff to us. You absolutely. know, you, you, you got to compete. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And it is in desire to compete. Yeah, I mean, if you if you don't have that, you might as well just go on home. Yep. And uh, I always loved Coach McBride. Uh, you know, again, we got I was talking about the recruiting and everything, and I remember him always asking him, uh, "What's this? What's this new group look like, Coach? What's your defenders look like?" And Coach McBride would say, "I don't know." He goes, "I know one thing: they're the best at their respective high schools." Mm-hmm. But he goes, "Until I see them get out here, get punched in the nose by somebody as big and strong as fast as them, I don't know what I'm going to get." That's right. I don't know if they're going to run home for Mama. I don't want to know if they're going to where they get a fist fight. I don't know what they're going to do, so I got to see them develop, you know, and see if they want to compete. If Absolutely. they want to compete, then we're going to be in good shape. If mm-hmm. they don't, we're just going to bring up the next man. That's right. I mean, this, this is big boy football down here. This isn't, <laughs> you know, little league and, you know, uh, everybody gets equal snaps. I mean, this is the real world. That's what I love about sports. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it shows you that you can work your ass off and still not play, and that's okay. Right. Right. You wanted to be part of something bigger, right? That's right, exactly. So that's good stuff. So, Bando, going back to the playing days, I have to ask, who is the toughest defender that you played against at Nebraska? Uh, this is on my own. Again, my, uh, as an opponent or on my own team, because I can name a lot of the toughest ones that were on my own team I had to block against every day. But, you know, with the likes of Neil Smith and Mark mm. Mumford and – and Danny Noonan and uh, uh, the Sandman, of course, who I went had to go up with every day. But the toughest defender by far, and I've said this for 32 years, is Leslie O'Neill at Oklahoma State. Mm. The man's an all-pro, was an all-pro, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that, that dude, pound for pound, he only weighed about 245. And that dude was bad. I mean, I'm telling you what, when you hit him, it felt like you were hitting a, a block of concrete. But Leslie O'Neill is by far the baddest dude I ever played against. And that includes the likes of Brian Bosworth and Kenny Norton Jr. So I'm telling you, Leslie O'Neill was a stud. Bendel, we'd like to have you on the next. You got time for the second, uh, this last part we got for you right here? Yeah. Uh-huh. Hold on for the site, folks. This is Riffin with Raff and AD. Tom Banderas, former Nebraska tight end, 16 catches, 10 yards. 10 touchdowns. Ten, yeah, 10 touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it was more than 10 yards. <laughs> is with us on this last section. Folks, stay with us. This is Riffin with Raff and AD on 93.7, the ticket. This is a 30 second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from The Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops.